This is Molly Hemingway of The Federalist. Join me, my husband Mark of Real Clear Investigations, Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelioni, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod President Matt Harrison, and others for the 2023 Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more at issuesetc.org. Making the Case, June 16th and 17th in Chicago. Issuesetc.org. The typical narrative about abortion and its after effects goes something like this. Woman decides freely, clear-eyed, no qualms to have an abortion. She makes this decision all by herself. Maybe she talks to her doctor and her doctor says, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead and do that. But she's not being pressured by anybody. This is her choice after all, isn't it? And the other part of that narrative is that afterwards, she does not regret her abortion. She may even just kind of pass it off. It was something I had to do and I got on with my career or my life or whatever else I was wanting to do. Is that narrative true? Does it stand up to the scrutiny of decent research? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to talk about a new study on coerced abortions and their mental health effects, Dr. David Reardon. He's director of the Elliott Institute and associate scholar for the Charlotte Lozier Institute. He's author of several books, including Aborted Women, Silent No More, and Making Abortion Rare, and the lead author of a new study, Effects of Pressure to Abort on Women's Emotional Response and Mental Health. Dr. Reardon, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here, Todd. Tell us about this new survey and study, the effects of pressure to abort on women's emotional responses and mental health. Yes, well, we've collected probably data on thousands of women over the years and analyzed data on millions of women from record linkage studies. We frequently found that many women report feeling pressured into unwanted abortions by other people. And so in this particular study, we decided to do a national survey of women between 41 and 45 years old using a national marketing firm that does you know, all, all kinds of different base surveys. They have 28 million people in their program to which draw a sample. So we surveyed 1,000 women and asked them a number of questions about whether or not they'd ever been exposed to feeling pressured into having an abortion by a male partner, their parents, other people, financial circumstances or other circumstances. So we had a scale, five different scales that we asked them to rate how much they felt pressured by. And over 61% rated the highest level of pressure from at least one of those five sources of pressures, and only 5% reported not feeling pressured at all. What kind of particular questions did the participants answer? Well, like I said, they would rate on a scale between 0 and 100 how much pressure you felt from any of these other five sources, like the male partner or family members. And then they also were asked to rate whether or not if they attributed their abortion to improving or decreasing their mental health, whether or not they had feelings of loss and grief and a number of other psychological outcomes. And uh, overwhelmingly, those who felt any pressure were, were more likely to report a negative outcome. It isn't surprising given uh, previous research. You also talk about a rather high participation rate for this survey. Why is that important? Well, anytime you do any kind of survey, you have to be concerned about 
selection bias. I'm, are the people more likely to respond because they fit a certain mold for, you know, certain opinion that pre-establishes their willingness to participate in the study? In this study, we had overall like a 96% participation rate of those women who did not report an abortion, 98% completed the survey once they started. Of those who reported having abortion, 91% completed it once the issue of abortion had been raised. So 91% is still considered very good, but you can see a big gap between 98 and 91%, which, and also we had another question on in the survey asking them, did he feel stress completing the survey? And women who had abortion reported more stress. And so it's understandable and, again, confirms from other studies that the women who have the most negative feelings about their abortions feel the most stress when asked about their abortion experience and are probably most likely to drop out. And so that the dropout rate is higher. So the reason that's important is, again, we had 91% participation rate. There's a study out there called the Turnaway Study, which had a 31% participation rate, and yet they try to claim that, oh, it's how important their findings are, but really it's a non-representative sample. The women who don't participate in surveys are clearly most likely to have the most stress and negative reactions. So you were really just concerned about self-selection at the very beginning of this process? Yes, yes. I mean, we're trying to identify and see another advantage. The reason we had probably a higher participation rate is that on average, these women had their abortion experiences 10, 20 years earlier. These women were in their early 40s. And most abortions occurred before age of 30. And so the amount of time that passes helps to have negative emotions are more likely to decline, become more uh, integrated, they're easier to talk about. And so I, I think that's a, a big reason why participation rate was higher. And also compared to like the Turnaway study, that was initiated at an abortion clinic. And so women at the time of the abortion are probably even more sensitive and afraid to agree to do follow-up studies when they know they're not going to be going to talk about it. Most women will try to deal with abortion by reporting. They just want to think about it as their best way to not deal with feelings of loss and grief. What particular negative effects following an abortion for women who are pressured into abortion did the women report? Well, chiefly they reported that they attributed to their abortion a decline in, in mental health they reported more feelings of grief and loss. They reported more stress completing the survey. There's a number of other negative outcomes, but they reported more negative feelings, fewer positive feelings, and more intrusive thoughts and behavior. So nightmares, intrusive thoughts, which is one of the major uh, factors that indicates a possibility of a post-traumatic stress disorder. Does other research support the findings of your study? Yeah, I mean, actually, there's a number of good number of studies that have found similar course abortions, feeling pressured abortion, to have an abortion is uh, associated with more negative feelings. Even the American Psychological Association, which is a, a very, uh, has taken an officially pro-choice position since uh, the early, late 1960s. They're, uh, 2008 review of the medical literature identified feelings of pressure to have an abortion as being risk factor for more negative outcomes. Most studies have not looked to identify how often women, or what percentage of women feel pressured. So I think that's one of the more unique things about this study is the finding of what a high percentage of women, the vast majority of women report 
certain you know, high degrees of pressure, and only a small percentage report the abortion as being entirely a decision they made without feeling pressured by other people or circumstances. Those two elements there, first of all, the high degree of women feeling a pressure from someone else to have an abortion. Why is that so underreported? Why is the narrative that we often encounter in the media that this is a woman's kind of clear-eyed choice and she makes this decision all on her own? I think there's probably numerous factors to that. But in large part, I guess the, the overarching theme is the idea of pro-choice and you know, women's right to choose kind of depends on this idea that women are freely choosing. And so the fact that many women aren't freely choosing it, they're being pushed into unwanted abortions by other people, doesn't favor the narrative that abortion is somehow some liberating thing. Now, that said, to get into some of the sub-themes, there are especially those who are who have no moral conflict with abortion, they're atheists or agnostic, and they can see a picture of a developing baby, and they consider that's not life or it's not a person yet. I mean, they have a very, very philosophical viewpoint that a person isn't a person until they have certain capabilities. So they're, they're not morally troubled by abortion. They have no, for many women, have, have no maternal desires. They're uh, academics or business people who their career is important, not family. So there's a group of women who have low risk of psychological problems with abortion because it doesn't conflict with their maternal desires or moral beliefs. In this study, we found that the women who had the pressures, the reason they're being pressured is because abortion goes against their moral beliefs and maternal desires, and so there's a conflict between what they would prefer to do and what their social and circumstantial pressures are making them do something that conflicts with their moral and maternal desires. So. The reason that's important is because a lot of the academics, you know, the, the people making arguments for abortion as women's rights are often from academians and, you know, teach psychology or sociology or women's studies or something. And many of them fit the profile of being highly intellectual. They have no religious or moral beliefs that are conflicted by having an abortion. They may have little or no desire for families. And so having an abortion for them is consistent with their preferences and desires and in their own experience and that of their friends, they dealt with it well. And so they like to presume that that's the case for all women. But in fact, the vast majority of women don't fit that profile. And they're often feeling pressure to abort against their conscience and maternal desires. The other part of the narrative is that women really suffer no ill effects after abortion, and it's kind of an easily forgotten thing. Does the body of research bear that out? No, it certainly does not. The That narrative that you just described is based entirely on very little actual research. But, but For example, I mentioned the turnaway study, which had like a 31% participation rate. And they like to trumpet the finding from a single question, which was, Given your circumstance, did you make the best decision you could at the time? And 95 to 99% said yes. And so they interpret that as decision satisfaction, meaning these women were happy with their abortions. But the, even their own study elsewhere reported that the majority of women reported regret, grief, and anger. So the fact that women might say, well, I made the best decision I could at the time does not, not mean they were actually happy with the decision. So you have this distortion 
where they take single questions like, did you make the right decision or did you make the best decision? And try to make it sound like women are happy with that decision, which is not true. So there's a lot of distortion in these claims that try to make it look like women are happy with abortion. Every study that looks at both negative and positive reactions to abortion finds that their negative reactions are more common than positive reactions. But it can be mixed, they overlap. So, for example, even a woman who was coerced into an unwanted abortion and has suffered grief and post-traumatic stress disorder and substance abuse and all kinds of negative things, when pressed, she might think, well, there were some good things that came from the abortion because she has other children, she had another marriage, something happened in her life that, you know, is good, so her life would be different if she hadn't had the abortion. Now, that doesn't mean she thinks the abortion was good or that made her life better, but she recognizes, but my life went on and some good things happened. So you have to look much more deeply at the nuances of abortion experiences and overarching story for most women is that there's a lot of grief and loss and guilt and regret and often psychological issues which are tied to their abortion. Doesn't mean that their lives, good things didn't happen later. That wouldn't have happened if they'd, they'd been on a different trajectory. But the narrative that women can have an abortion, it's no big deal, is totally false for most women. How should researchers, if, if you had to lay out the plan for the next study, how should researchers follow up on your study? Well, I mean, there's a lot more that can be done. Even with, with this study, we'll be looking at uh, other kinds of measures of negative effects associated with abortion, which risk factors are predictive. One of our goals would be try to see that women are able to hold abortion clinics accountable for failing to screen for these risk factors. They shouldn't be doing an abortion when they know the outcome is more likely to cause harm than good. And broader scale, I mean, we need more government funding for uh, longitudinal studies. For the last 50 years, it's already been known that what we need is studies that follow large groups of women over a long period of time to measure their, their psychiatric state, their well-being, their reproductive history, and so that you can, we can investigate the impact of abortion on mental health, the impact of, of miscarriage on mental health, the impact of infertility on mental health. There's all kinds of better research that can be done, but there's a literally a lack of desire from those who advocate for abortion to see the research done because they know it undermines what their, what their political ideology is. Finally, then, by way of summary, what can we learn from your survey and how can we reduce the number of abortions? Fundamentally, we, what we learned from this is really kind of common sense. Women who feel pressured into unwanted abortions are more likely to regret, feel grief and guilt and harm. So for the parents out there who think they're making a decision for their minor daughter that they're going to save her career or her academic life by forcing her to have an abortion, they need to be made aware of, no, you're more likely to harm her than help her, and that don't buy into the lie that somehow abortion is going to turn back the clock and her life will go on the way it was. That's a total lie. Once she's pregnant, she's either going to have a baby or she's going to live with an abortion. And abortion has a toll psychologically and physically. If you went to our website, so you could see both physical and psychological problems associated with abortion. There's literally no evidence of any medical benefits from abortion. And it's all downside. And how do we reduce the number? Well, like I said, I'm an advocate for laws that will make it easier for women to sue for psychological injuries after abortion. 
right now in every state, you cannot sue for psychological injury after abortion because case laws normally requires that you can only sue if you actually suffer physical injury. In other words, you cannot sue if the car came close to you and never hit you because you can't sleep at night. If you got hit, now you can sue for emotional injury and being unable to sleep. So abortionists have hidden behind that provision to never face any liability for psychological injury. And that's one reason they don't do screening or counseling. They barely screen for coercion. And obviously any parent or boyfriend who's forcing a woman to consent to an abortion, if they're doing their job well, the woman's going to sign this paper anywhere, deny that she's being forced, or maybe she even in her own head, well, I'm not forced, it's just something I have to do. So they're not screening for coercion, they're facing no liability for it, and so they're basically able to injure women right and left without ever facing any financial penalty for doing so. Dr. David Reardon is director of the Elliott Institute and associate scholar with the Charlotte Lozier Institute. He's author of several books, including Aborted Women, Silent No More, and Making Abortion Rare, and the lead author of a new study, Effects of Pressure to Abort on Women's Emotional Responses and Mental Health. You'll find a link to this study at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Dr. Reardon, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. God bless. Have a great day. Pastor Chris Rosebro of Fighting for the Faith joins us for This Week in Pop Christianity. We'll be talking about a movie, Come Out in Jesus' Name, about demon possession. Defending life from beginning to end. You're listening to Issues Etc. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit,